So welcome back everyone, this is Through Lisa's Eyes, One World, Numerous Lives. I'm happy that you tuned back in, it's already the fourth episode, which is so exciting for me. I've got a new friend with me and we're gonna talk about her life and about her amazing challenges she has overcome and the big steps she's taken on. If you want to see more of the show, it's always interesting to check out the show notes, which you can find on my blog, throughlisaseyes.com, and you can find all the notes under the category podcast, throughlisaseyes.com slash podcast. If you want to check out even more you can always um, head over to Instagram and look through my stories and my travel pictures um, it's through Lisa's eyes as well and now I'm really excited to welcome my friend it's Jade we met in Australia and she's from Australia but right now I'm actually um, calling her in Spain we actually met for a dive trip when I first did my dive certificate in Australia at Great Barrier Reef which was throughout my round the world trip so that's been a really amazing time and I'm really excited to talk to her today so hello Jade I'm really happy to have you with me <laughs> hi Lisa great to have been on here as well <laughs> great to talk to you I'm happy you're doing the interview with me um, this is always really exciting and I'm glad you were um, happy about talking to me about your life yeah I'm really happy to be on here I mean my life has changed a lot since we met all those years ago in Cannes mm -hmm. but I mean it was great to meet you there and then again to see you in my own city in Brisbane just a few weeks later yeah. um, but I think we both <laughs> we both had a, a lot of changes in our lives and done a lot of travel since then and <laughs> somehow I ended up here in, in Spain um, a little bit closer to you to Germany yeah, which is so nice yeah <laughs> but I also think like when back when we met we didn't think that we were going to see each other that many times again already which has been like a total of four times already hasn't it yeah well you don't think so because I mean I was from Australia really the opposite side of the world mm -hmm. and we met was it over five days the diving course yeah and then who would have thought we'd meet again a few weeks later and then a few months later <laughs> I was visiting you in Germany then you were visiting me here in Granada for a ski trip and yeah, yeah it's it's been great. Well, we have to organize another something else again, another yeah. trip or dive trip. Like we've been waiting for another dive trip for ages now, I think. Oh, it's been too long. <laughs> we'll definitely have to dive into talking about Granada quickly later on, especially um, having you mentioned the ski trip now, because a lot of people don't know that you can actually go skiing in Spain, which is something so new for everyone I'm talking to. Yeah. And actually at the moment, it's so strange because we've had such crazy weather. Like one mm. week we have 30 degrees Celsius every day. And then we had a week when it was freezing cold, like the next week, freezing cold, snowing every day. And we had like a record snowfall for this time of the year. Mm. And everyone thought, oh, the ski season's over. Yeah. Next minute, it's full of snow again and everybody's skiing. <laughs> so I had literally four days ago, I was skiing. Yesterday, I was at the beach. Okay. <laughs> you can ski one day and go to the beach the next at this time of the year in April. Right now, you're calling me from Spain. So there's a little spoiler here. So you're not in Australia anymore. You're actually in Spain right now. Mm -hmm. Do you want to take it over how you actually got there and tell us a bit about your background? Yeah, it, it's been a bit random, to be honest. <laughs> and I've been taking it one step at a time but actually 
come June. It will mark my three years living mm. in Spain. Such a long time already. None of which I planned. <laughs> in fact, three years ago, I decided to come to Spain, to Europe, not specifically Spain. In fact, I just had this dream to go to Europe. Mm -hmm. So many people in Australia have that dream and okay. vice versa, as I've come to learn that so many Europeans are like, wow, Australia, so exotic and far away. <laughs> I'm like, no, that's what we think of you. <laughs> But it's the same both ways. <laughs> yeah, like speaking hub-wise, Australia is not the best hub to be right because it's like a long distance to travel like anywhere exactly yeah so i dreamed of living somewhere in europe for mm -hmm. a short time and my goal was six months mm -hmm. to live in a country in europe for six months and i randomly chose granada in spain i did some research but really i've I've never heard of it before coming mm -hmm. here. I knew nothing of it. That's cool. <laughs> I'd been to Spain once for one day in Barcelona and I had a terrible time. Oh, no. In fact, I promised myself I would never return to Spain. And yet here I am. It was oh. a bit of a challenge for me thinking uh, with the bad experience I had. And then coming back here was like I had a lot of fear in doing that more than going to any other European country. I can imagine. Me, it was also a facing a fear because of the bad experience I, I had in the past. Yeah, so but not only just coming coming for a visit but actually living here so I faced my fear a very specific fear and from a specific event at the same time as reaching my goal which was to live in a European city and you know I wanted to choose somewhere that was very different mm -hmm. to where I started. When did you set that goal because I think when we met um, you were already slightly talking about it so it wasn't like it wasn't a decision overnight right? Yeah actually it was a dream I've had since I would say probably since I was about 10 years old. <laughs> <laughs> because actually I, I was born in South Africa and then moved to Australia. I think that helped as well. Once you've done a big move in your life once before. When did you move again? I was very young. I was seven. Okay. I moved with my family. But also seeing my parents and that they were able to do that, that big move. I was like, wow, it is, it is possible mm -hmm. to move to a different country on the other side of the world where you don't know anybody or anything and, and create an amazing, exciting life. Mm -hmm. That's nicely said. I, I got that inspiration from my parents, whether they realize it or not. <laughs> Probably they wouldn't be too happy because I think they would like me to be in Australia yeah. with them yeah. and not on the other side of the world. They'll feel responsible now. <laughs> they both did a lot of travel when they were young and then the move to Australia, moving the whole family and immigrating to Australia. And I thought, you know what? I can do that too. Like, that's not so impossible it's scary and it's like a it's like looking into a big void a black hole of the unknown but all these people around me have done it and they can show me it's possible and and I should just do it I should just step off the cliff and see where I fall and see what happens but still amazingly brave yeah and once you do it you realize it's not so scary and people are people Everywhere in the world, we're all the same when it comes down to it. Sure, there are different traditions, different languages, different skin colors, different beliefs, mm -hmm. but really, we're really not that much different. And for that reason, you can go anywhere in the world and find some kind of level of comfort mm -hmm. through other people. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah, and I think like once you've overcome some like really big obstacles in your life, you realize, yeah, there aren't any limits exactly in life, right? Uh, that's ex at least that's my experience. The more I um, overcame obstacles, 
the more I realized I'm not bound to limits. I can just do whatever I want and I am able to achieve it and I am able to um, overcome it and to grow bigger and to achieve more. Exactly. Once you overcome one obstacle, maybe the biggest obstacle mm. you see in front of you, any obstacles from then on seem achievable, seem doable. You take a lot more risks in your life. Mm. You live a less sheltered life once you do something like this in every aspect of your life, whether it's at work or relationships or something creative like art, you take more risks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah and yeah, it becomes an attitude. It changed me a lot, like personality wise. It, it really did change my outlook on life and my personality and the way I think. When you took off, uh, did you already have the plans you pursued now, like what you were working as or did that happen within the process? I had no plans at all. <laughs> Right. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, I, the, well, the, the only plan I had was for the first six months. Mm -hmm. The general plan was come to Granada and I enrolled in a Spanish school. I enrolled for four months, which allowed me to get a six-month visa. Because mm -hmm. as an Australian, I can't stay in Europe without a visa. Yeah. And to get a visa, there's only a few things you can do. One of them is study. Mm -hmm. So if you're studying and you, you prepay for the studies, you prepay for accommodation, at least for the first month or so, you pay for insurance, you pay for all these things. It's a lot of money, the first step. Yeah. But the good thing was uh, that you already had this big step planned, right, to move to Europe. So that allowed you to save up money and to really prepare everything. Yeah, so I had saved up a lot of money in my job because I was working as a town planner and I had a really good job, urban and regional planning at university. Mm -hmm. Went straight from university to working full time. So I never had a gap year. I never did some crazy travel <laughs> before that. So I was working, I was studying and I was working and working and working my whole life. And I was like this dream of going overseas and living somewhere else. It just won't happen if I continue yeah. down the path a very comfortable path and a well-paid job, a good family. And you liked your job, didn't you? I loved my yeah. job, yeah. There was some problems, like I was at the end of a contract and I was going to start in a different section at the council where I was working for the government, but little things like that. Otherwise, in general, I really loved it and it was really difficult to quit. Mm. It was also a permanent position for life in the council, which is <laughs> very sought after and... Yeah gives people a lot of security. It's a tough step. I said goodbye to that. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I left for the unknown just to study Spanish in Spain. Amazing. So yeah, that was my first step was studying here for four months and using two months of my visa to, to travel around Europe. Um, and then after that, the general plan was to go to England yeah. and find <laughs> a job in town planning, like my, my career. Right, I remember. That was the original plan. <laughs> The original plan. So I had a visa lined up for England as well, a working visa, mm -hmm. which cost a lot of money too, but I never used but it. But you already had that prepaid. <laughs> I, um, yeah, you have to, because yeah. you, you, you can't, uh, you can only apply for it in your country see, yeah. of residence. Yeah, and at the time that was Australia. I had to apply for it before coming. So I applied for two visas. It was a bit like my safety net, mm -hmm. you know, if I didn't like Spain, At any point in that first six months, I could leave. Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't have to go straight back to Australia. I could go to, to England. And if I didn't like England, then hey, then I was going to go back to Australia. <laughs> But England didn't happen. <laughs> England never happened. Yeah. It, it might still in the future. I'm not sure yet. But I got too carried away with the life and lifestyle and everything else that goes with living here mm -hmm. in the south of Spain, in Andalusia, which is a very traditional 
also religious and very fun <laughs> part of Spain. People are very warm and so is the weather. We have a lot of days of sun. It feels like every day. <laughs> and Granada is beautiful. Like it was amazing when I visited you. It was such a cute town, such an amazing old town. It's a diamond in Spain. Yeah. And I mean, I didn't know what I was coming to when I came here and I just got very lucky, I think. It's full of old architecture. On one side of the city, you have this very Spanish architecture and on the other side you have the old town of the Moorish architecture which mm -hmm. is the Arabic empire of the Moors who lived here for more than 700 years. So we went to this really cute cafe right in the Arabic tea right, house. So <laughs> that's actually kind of more in recent years because yeah. obviously with the Spanish coming back in and taking over they kicked out all of the Arabic people and the Jewish people as well that were residing here. Everything was changed. The whole city was changed. Okay. But now in recent years you have Arabic people from different countries from Syria, from Morocco, from Lebanon coming back into the city and they're opening up like Arabic tea mm -hmm. houses called teterias in the old Arabic quarter. It's so cool because you can imagine that's what it would have been like yeah. so many years ago. It looks like a historical street. Yeah, it's amazing. Like come back to life, not just the building, yeah. but the people have come back and they brought their culture, their food, their wares, handmade carpets and the beautiful lamp. And I, and I didn't expect it at all. Like, I, I thought I was gonna come see you and just see a huge Spanish town, but then all the varieties and all the different aspects the town has. It's great. And then the other side of the city, just to mention another culture that's very prominent here, is the gypsies. Mm -hmm. We say Los Quetanos, and they have the flamenco. Ah. There's an area called the Sacramonte, which is like the, the sacred mountain in English, which is full of caves. Traditionally, they didn't have money and they were living out in the mountain, kind of pushed to the fringe of the city. Okay. They lived in caves. And now those areas are very beautiful and they've created little white houses around the caves. Oh. And wow. you go there and you can watch traditional flamenco shows. That's cool. In oh. the heart of the Kitano gypsy area, yeah. right in the city center, like <laughs> with views over the Alhambra, the, the castle that overlooks the city. Which is so impressive. <laughs> It <Honestly>. is. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm kind of like sad we didn't go inside. But yeah, we'll just do that at a later point. <laughs> yeah, you live so close. But what we did do was the skiing. So that was cool. So I actually went down for a long weekend to visit Jade and to go snowboarding together. People normally don't know that, right? That you can actually go skiing there. <laughs> But remember what happened? There was a oh, yes. kind of natural phenomenon yeah. at the time when you came to ski. So it was like from the Sahara, the sand was carried over from the Sahara and all the snow looked brown. From Africa, Sahara Desert, mm -hmm. they often have really big sandstorms which bring across the desert sand <laughs> to, to Europe. It's unbelievable. And of course, <laughs> south of Spain is right on the border. Uh -huh. In fact, in some places you can see Africa <laughs> from Spain, <laughs> just from, from sight. Yeah, that was a crazy experience. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and so the whole mountain was like, pinky brownish tinge because <laughs> the snow was covered in desert sand <laughs> i mean it didn't change the the quality or anything it was just a fine layer on the top yeah and the skiing area is great like it's very big actually i like the little skiing village if you want to call it like that it's really cute sierra nevada mountains yeah. 
I still remember I hiked up when I was like um, all the way at the top. I hiked up and walked over with my snowboard and I was actually able to see the ocean. Yeah, and we're nowhere near the ocean. Like, it was so cool. To be able to see it from the top of the mountain, it's pretty cool. <laughs> and I also liked that the whole town is like really mobile and uh, just boards the buses at the bus port and then it's just buses running frequently up to the mountain. And I also like going back down because I think one day, I was by myself that day, I think, I just went with your friend. <laughs> It's Conan, right? Yeah, <laughs> My Australian friend. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and all the way down we had like the most beautiful sunset, so that was amazing because the bus ride up and down is so beautiful and you see so much of the whole area. So that's also a cool experience that comes together with, of course, the whole skiing experience. Yeah, and you always see the sunset on the way back. Yeah, it's beautiful. You're sitting there in the nice, warm, comfortable yeah. bus, say goodbye to the snow and then you mm. see the very orange red sunset in front of you yeah, and then you go down and uh, you go out eat tapas because Granada as I learned is one of the most famous places in Spain to go out for tapas and have drinks and then you always get served tapas together with your drinks right yeah and it's for free yeah. it's so cool <laughs> so the region is called Granada and the city is called Granada. So in the whole region of Granada, you get free food when you order a drink. Whole... Yeah, so not the whole of Spain mm -hmm. and not the whole of Andalusia in the south, but just the region of Granada. Outside of the region, you might find some places will give you a free tapa, but it's not obligatory and it's not a tradition. Mm -hmm. Normally you have to pay for it. Here, you can go out and you can buy a glass of wine for two euro, a really good <laughs> wine from Rioja region, or, and you get free food. You can just go tapas hopping. Yeah, and each drink you order, like you get a first tapa, you get a second tapa, and they're different each time. Mm -hmm. And usually they get better. So the longer you stay at a place, <laughs> the more you drink, the better the tapas are. Yeah, it's, it's a fun kind it's a of fun an incentive game to, play. to stay longer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I really like that. I really like that. The whole concept, the whole idea. I mean, obviously you go out very late. So I think when I arrived the night, we only went out at 9.30 or something. So obviously that's yeah. something you know about Spanish culture, that like the whole timing aspect is set differently compared to other cultures. Oh my God, it was such a culture shock for me <laughs> when, when I first came here. The hours, the time schedule of everybody's day is so crazy. So different, crazy for me. They they look at Australia and they think we're crazy with our times and <laughs> when we eat and when we go out. But I came here. It took me a while to adapt. Yeah. But yeah, they eat dinner at maybe 9:30 or 10 p.m. at night mm. in Australia. At 10 p.m., everything is closed. Yeah. Like every restaurant is closed. <laughs> you cannot get any food at 10 p.m. <laughs> and I came here and. The restaurants weren't even open yet. <laughs> I was like, what's going on? But you have adopted to that uh, by now, right? Now I have, yeah. And I also I also do siesta you do? almost every day. <laughs> I was just going <laughs> to ask. <laughs> yeah, I love siesta. I think the whole world should adopt <laughs> siesta. <laughs> yeah, this kind of regime of coming home during lunchtime for a few hours and having a siesta. Mm. So they actually, I mean, everybody thinks because of siesta time that Spanish people are really lazy or they don't work as much, but they work just as much, if not more hours, because what they do often is that they start work very early in the morning at about seven, early in the morning, and they'll finish at about 3 p.m. or 2 p.m. And that's when siesta starts. And then they'll have either two hours mm -hmm. or four hours if they're lucky. Oh, four. <laughs> so between two to four hours break, 
where they literally go home. They don't stay at work and have a lunch break. They go home and they have a real break. And then afterwards, the shops and everything open again at about 5 or 6 p.m. And they stay open till about 10 p.m. at night. (laughs) So it gives you longer hours in the evening, but it gives you a real break in the middle of the day where you can go to sleep, but that's not what everybody does. Mm -hmm. Sometimes people read a book, watch a bit of TV, but the main thing is that they have family time. So they have a very big lunch They have almost no breakfast. They have a very small breakfast in the morning, traditionally, even just like a biscuit and a coffee. They have a huge lunch with their family. And then for dinner, they have a small dinner. And that could just be tapas. Mm. Interesting to see it from that perspective. <laughs> it's just the whole the whole thing's different. Yeah. <laughs> in Australia, we have breakfast around 7, 8 in the morning and we have a big breakfast and we have a muesli with fruit and yogurt or yeah, same in Germany. the English breakfast like eggs and bacon and toast and or baked beans. The Spanish people think it's so weird to eat beans on toast. <laughs> Perhaps you do too, I'm not sure. <laughs> I think it's not that common, but it's not considered weird. For us, it's so normal. The thing is, for lunch, we normally, like when you're working in a high-pressure office job, you will often just eat your lunch at your desk mm. in front of your computer while you read emails. You don't even have a break. Couldn't get more opposite. They have a four-hour break yeah. or two-hour break, and they go home with their family and spend time, quality time with them. Mm. And we just eat a terrible sandwich at our desk. <laughs> I like that concept, yeah, especially looking at it to have time to spend with your family. I think most often people just think about it as, yeah, people are just napping, but seeing it to have like the valuable hours throughout the day with your family, that's something very valuable. Yeah, it definitely is. And the thing is, like, when I was working in Australia in this kind of office job in these hours, Often when you get to lunchtime you're you're exhausted you oh, yes. you need you need a real break like yeah. your brain is going to work at half the speed for the afternoon when you don't have the break that you need so i see yeah. a lot of value and a lot more like mm. efficiency in having this longer more quality break than just this kind of superficial break when you eat a sandwich at your desk like absolutely yeah I mean they always say like you're either a morning person or an evening person I'm always like I'm kind of both (laughs) but I'm definitely not a lunch person so for me it also like that also applies I don't function well after lunch and then like the hours coming so like from 12 to 4 I don't function well and then at 4 I speed up again and then I can actually work like endlessly kind of yeah if I think once you have a really a proper break for your mind and your body where you can really rest and kind of turn off everything for for that time Mm -hmm. and be with your family be out of the workspace and really rest it really helps you to then concentrate again in the afternoon Mm -hmm. and I think you can you can get more work done even yeah but I mean (laughs) every society is different (laughs) just imagine going to cultures now like our cultures and just applying that concept That would be funny. I can just imagine me, okay, siesta time. Bye. Get my like uh, pillow out, get underneath the desk, like crawl up and have a nap. No one disturb me for the next three hours, thanks. Yeah, so in uh, Spain now you worked as a teacher, right? Yeah, so like I was saying, I, I only planned to be here for six months, but then I wanted to stay longer. Six months just wasn't enough once I had a taste of this life. Mm -hmm. So I I did the same thing. I applied to do some more Spanish study and I did another six months in in that way. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the six months, I did something else. I decided to study uh, TEFL 
certificate, oh, yeah. which is oh, yeah. um, to teach English as a foreign language. Because I was thinking, Poof, I'm still not ready to leave. You either do the TEFL or the, the other one called C. Yeah, and I even did the other one. <laughs> You've done it? Yeah, and I can't recall right now. Oh my gosh, you can't recall either. <laughs> Anyways. Yeah, if you're a foreigner and you have a very high level of English, you can first do a, an exam, a C1 or C2 exam. C2 is equivalent to like a native speaker, yeah. uh, if not better. <laughs> and then you can take the course to, to teach English. Mm -hmm. So as a native, I didn't have to prove my English level first. Um, <laughs> I just did the course, which was four weeks, really intensive here in Granada at a, the Granada Language School. Okay. And yeah, and then at the end, you're qualified to, to teach mm -hmm. uh, English, not teach everything um so I did that and then I started working in academy for, for about three months until I came to the end of my visa once again I had to figure out how to stay here longer and at that point I'd already met my friend Conan and he had been living here for two or three years at that point in Spain and he told me about a program that he was on which gave him a visa um, but also opportunity to work so the program is called um, Auxiliares de Conversación which which basically means conversation support or conversation aid mm -hmm. uh, where you work for a school. So it's a public system. It's organized through the Spanish government. Okay. So they place you in a school in Spain, whether it's a public primary school or a public high school or even tertiary education. Uh, it could be like a chef school or something like that something something a bit different I was placed in a high school in Granada and I love it it's I mean perfect. it's it's been amazing it's not something I would have ever considered doing mm. if you ask any of my friends or family growing up when we were trying to figure out what profession to get into I always said the last thing I would ever do is be a teacher <laughs> <laughs> I thought it's funny, right? How this sometimes ends up being your path. And the last two <laughs> years, I've been teaching. Yeah. Yeah. But you, you so enjoyed it. It doesn't get boring or anything. It's definitely not boring yeah. because it's very challenging. Mm -hmm. Not so much challenging now in the second year, but the first year for me, being you know in front of this big group of people, foreign foreigners, children, and the teacher as well. And I have to stand there and tell them about myself, tell them about my culture. Then I have to teach all these different subjects. Mm -hmm. So you're not teaching English, you're teaching right, you're, biology, yeah, mathematics, teach. music, yeah. technology, physical education, all these geography, like history, all these subjects in English. So That's challenging. <gasps> it's challenging. And I'm, I'm not a musician. I didn't know the <laughs> First thing about music so I got to the music class mm -hmm. and they're like can you explain the the notes and the system and I was like what <laughs> oh, no I definitely can't do that <laughs> I was like I've never studied I've never studied music I'm so sorry um what you have to do is work with the teacher mm -hmm. and figure out how you can help with that class mm -hmm. what you can do and that is challenging and also a lot of the time I was teaching myself yeah. something completely new And then having to teach for an hour to high school children yeah. for that subject. But I'm just thinking that's so cool about it because um, while you were teaching others something, you, they actually taught you. Yeah, I've learned so much. I mean, and the thing about music, now I have a piano at home and I've taught myself like how to read music oh, wow. from knowing nothing. Like I'm the least musical person ever. And 
I was like, wow, this is really highlighting things that I can improve because, you know, I have the piano sitting next to me on one side. I'm sitting in my room here in Granada. And on the other side of me, I actually have a biology book from the school. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, I mean, I have these things here that now I have to, yeah, teach myself. And yeah, it's it's taught me a lot, not just like about the subjects, but how to interact with children, how to teach because... Knowing how to do something and and then teaching it is a completely different thing. Mm-hmm. And it's and it's so re- rewarding to work with kids, right? That's what what I experienced, like when I was in Thailand and I was um, teaching English to the kids there. So it was like first grade till eighth grade or something. Mm-hmm. It was so rewarding because they were so thankful for everything and they were so ambitious. And so it was something really rewarding. You went to work every day and it was so incredibly challenging because there in Thailand, like there weren't any structures implemented there was nothing like organized so I was basically I just arrived and then I just had to start talking so actually the the sentence the teacher said was Lisa just talk to the students so that was my introduction and then I just started talking (laughs) and then I just started doing and working and uh, just trying to give um, those kids something they can work with and something they can learn from me and I experienced it to be something really rewarding yeah I mean it's it's a similar thing here. The teachers, in many cases, they just throw you in the deep end mm-hmm. and just see what happens. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and yeah. you just, you have to do something. You're there, you're, you can't escape. You're, you're in front of all these kids. Everyone's looking at you. Everyone's <laughs> waiting for something. <laughs> and you just have feeling. to start. <laughs> and as you do it, you, you find your, your comfort and what you're good at and mm. how to teach and how the kids respond and, and you get better at it. Mm just from practice just from being there yeah and yeah I've I've had some really really rewarding moments with the kids like I taught a geography class which happens to be like my passion like I love geography growing up and town planning is yeah basically geography (laughs) I mean I use these classes to also talk about things that I'm passionate about that I'm knowledgeable about and even a bit of activism you know teaching about climate change Mm -hmm. about looking after the planet less use of plastics and technology class what happens to the plastics and it's great that you get the opportunity it's so many opportunities like that and for me that's the best and and the way the kids respond so a lot of them are not aware Mm. not crazy right talking about the climate talking about use of plastic talking about recycling is is not that big here in spain it's not such a big deal people throw rubbish on the ground like it's nothing Mm. cigarette butts and or a napkin on the ground in the middle of the street when there's a bin one meter away. It's crazy, right? You, you, you would think that the awareness is much bigger. It, it's like it hasn't hit them yet. Yeah. It's, I don't know. But it all starts at the education level with children. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I've been given a huge opportunity mm-hmm. to be part of that education and at, at this, you know, at their young age and to, to talk to them about these things. Yeah. That's great. Um, And some of them at the end of the class, like they're interested, they'll come and speak to me about it afterwards. Uh, One girl came to me at the end of a class and asked me, wow, I'm like really amazed about what you talked about. And I want to know how, uh, like what I can do to help this, like what can I study? What can I do? Uh, Like when I'm adult, 
how can I be part of the solution for problems? That's amazing. And I was like, whoa, <laughs> like, and I wasn't prepared. I was like, oh, what can you do? Okay, <laughs> you become a scientist, you can, I don't know, become a politician, you can study sustainable development or something like that. Mm-hmm. But she was looking at me like, you know, like I really inspired her. And, and another time a kid came up and just said, that was a really good class. Mm. Thank you. Oh. And I was like, oh, God. Oh, you're so cute, this little boy. Yeah. He's like teen or something. Just didn't need to do that, but it was really touching. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's also like, for example, I always wanted to become a biologist so I can actually like work with mm-hmm. sharks and do shark research and that kind of stuff. But I was never good at biology. But then in the end, it's so amazing to realize that you can can always do something so even if you haven't studied it you can always just build up projects to support some good cause or do whatever your imagination allows you to do i think that's amazing and sharing that is amazing especially with young kids yeah if, if you can show them yeah there's all different avenues to help to be a part of something yeah. you don't have to be getting the best grades in biology or whatever it is that there are so many avenues mm. and so many different things to work on or even volunteer through in your life mm. so this is actually your current state right now do you have any idea how it's going to continue you already told me in private that it might get challenging again right yeah I'm about to come to another big challenge in my life big crossroads because this program that I'm on you can only be on the program in Andalusia and Granada for two years Mm -hmm. there is a limit and I don't want to move elsewhere in Spain to do the program because you I could do that as well okay and then you get another two years there's no limit in other places of Spain only in in the south because it's very popular (laughs) damn it but the thing is Granada has been my home now for three years and I've traveled around Spain and there are nice places but it's this is where I feel at home and I just don't want to go to another place in Spain. I can understand that. And also, like I said before, teaching, it's not my forever thing. Like, I've loved it and it's been challenging. It's taught me a lot. And I've been able to teach a lot of things to other people. And for that, it's been amazing. But I still don't feel like it's something I want to continue with forever, okay. you know. Mm. At least that's how I'm feeling right now. So I didn't reapply for the program in another place. And I can't reapply for it here. Mm. So I will finish this role at the end of May. It's now April. It's not that far away. <laughs> yeah, oh god. <laughs> and I have no, no plans oh. after that. <laughs> so I have to decide. But you'll have to leave Spain, right? Uh, yeah, so my visa takes me till the middle of August. Mm-hmm. So I don't have to leave straight away end of May, but I have till mid-August. So I have till mid-August really to decide what to do, apply for new visas, whether it's in Spain or somewhere else in Europe or somewhere else in the world or Mm. go back to Australia. Mm. And that's always an option. I can go back to Australia at any point. Of course. (laughs) But you're you're leaning towards staying in Europe right now or um, is there any, uh, even any tendency right now? Yeah. So what I've done two weeks ago or so, I applied for a, a master's course in Belgium gym Mm. at Ghent University okay great but it's really a unlikely thing to happen I applied for a master's in architecture now normally you have to have studied architecture as an undergraduate degree but because I did something similar town planning and I have some experience I thought well I'm just going to try I'm going to put my hat in the ring and see what happens I've applied for it and now I'm waiting to hear back from them. Oh my God. But if I get that, then possibly I could be in Belgium for the next two years. Yeah, gonna keep my fingers crossed. I still want to travel some places in Belgium as well. Belgium 
it's really yeah. beautiful. I was there two years ago just on a holiday traveling through and Ghent, where I've applied, is a really gorgeous, quaint little city. Mm-hmm. It has a fantastic vibe. It's got a lot of students and a really great music scene. It's very alternative and interesting and adorable, like the little buildings along the river and it's a really gorgeous city. Mm-hmm. So if I were to go there, that would be also a dream. <laughs> I- I'm really confident that you'll end up at a good place at a place that really suits you. Yeah, if I don't do that, I can also apply to work in England again, Mm -hmm. which is an easier option. I mean, I'm happy to hear that the tendency right now is that you're staying close so I can see you more free. (laughs) Even closer, Belgium's around the corner for you. (laughs) You could probably drive from Hamburg. Yeah, I could. It's not far at all. God, Europe is so small. It's cool, huh? (laughs) <laughs> it's so diverse but so small and like land wise yeah i once talked to an australian friend and we talked about the whole concept of when people tell you about their travels and they have been traveling to australia or to new zealand and then they say they have been traveling to europe and he was like because he was australian as well and he just said yeah well but when i tell people i've been to europe what have i actually been doing i mean there are so many countries there are so many different cultures so in the end you can't really say you traveled to europe because what is europe actually defined by so i found that really interesting that perspective because he was like yeah it's this one place in the world where you have so many different countries and cultures like within three hours flight and you take a plane three hours one direction another direction another direction there's like a number of different cultures so that's very unique yeah and not only is it close it's very cheap Mm. to fly like i can get a ticket for 20 euro Mm. to rome or to wherever it's extremely cheap and you know it's affordable and doable to travel through Europe and yeah you step out of one culture and one country and language and an hour later mm-hmm. you're in a completely different a completely different place it's like it's it's so great I hope I hope Europe doesn't change in that way and commercialize and all yeah. become same I hope that they maintain their traditions and their language and their differences so beautiful and so special yeah and for me personally I also like I love it as a hub because it's like amazing you can get to Asia you're in between Asia and America it's just very easy to travel anywhere in the world so that's what I like personally so much about it you recently went to New York right yeah. I mean that's only a couple of hours yeah and I also just went for five days so or even just four and a half <laughs> you can do that it's almost like a long weekend yeah. just hop over to America <laughs> <laughs> for me it's like a great concept because yeah in Australia like oh I exactly, would like to go to, yeah. to France okay yeah. 30, 35 hours later, two planes, maybe three planes, long stopovers in airport. It's so different. (laughs) If you think back now to maybe wrap this up a little bit, thinking back, especially like to the moment when we met at Great Barrier, we were both doing our dive certificate, the open water certificate. And just thinking back to that, thinking about where you are now and what are basic life lessons you go through life with and things that motivate you that have actually allowed you to get to this point where you are right now and allows you to continue going and keeping yourself pushing mm. well I'm a very stubborn person <laughs> when I have an idea in my mind and I really want it I will do it 
almost nothing will stop me. And it might not happen immediately. Maybe you need to work and save money or maybe you have some family commitments or something, but it will happen if you are really committed to that idea and to that goal. Mm -hmm. So my advice is just don't give up on something because you might not be able to do it there and then in the moment. Really make it happen, you know, organize it, plan for it, apply for those visas or those programs or whatever it might be that helps you to get your foot in the door and to start that new life Mm -hmm. or that adventure. And don't let being afraid stop you from doing something. That's a very difficult thing. It's It's not having the money or having the time that stops a lot of people. I think it's just fear. Mm-hmm. Fear of the unknown, fear of everything that could possibly go wrong. Yeah. Because there are yeah. a million things that could go wrong. <laughs> of course. But just ignoring that fear and looking at it positively, thinking about everything good that can happen and knowing that whatever bad happens, it's life, mm-hmm. you know? That's you're not living life if nothing bad happens ever. Mm-hmm. You're sitting in a bubble at home, you know, couch doing nothing you only have one life to live you need to break away from that fear from that comfort zone and explore and push yourself and see where it takes you and if it doesn't work out you can go back to that comfort zone it didn't go anywhere Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I love that sentence yeah and you can make a comfort zone anywhere you are as well because I came halfway across the world and I still have a couch I still have (laughs) chocolate every day I still you know talk to my family all the time my friends and you can take that with you as well but yeah you should take risks and try to yeah see, see where that lands and keep an open mind Mm -hmm. because you don't want to miss out on things in life because of fear it's amazing to put the focus on that and i think it's an in general also a big fear that uh, is always present um, for yourself is having or spending time with yourself and maybe sometimes like the fear of getting to know yourself better because what might you actually um, develop then or experience then and where will it actually take you so i think that's always something that's present that holds people back yeah and in those moments when you're alone in a foreign country mm-hmm. and maybe something bad has happened and you have those really low points. everyone does yeah. you have them at home yeah. and you have them overseas you have them at any point but when that happens it's really bad but the thing is you push through yeah. at the end of the day you you get over it and you learn a lot about yourself and about what you're capable of and we are capable of almost anything mm-hmm. when you want to do something you find the strength and you grow as a person, you can be alone and independent and strong and get through it. Mm. And then also you have great moments overseas. You meet so many people, the friends you make. Gosh, if I never left Australia, I mean, I would have missed out on meeting such amazing people and having such amazing experiences. Uh, It makes me like amazed that one moment in my life has defined me so much Mm. and my experiences and everything I've had. And, And if I hadn't taken that leap, how sad how sad it would be if I hadn't taken Mm. that leap and how much I would have missed out on and I'm really grateful that I did and now that I have greater inner strength to do other things in my life now I can emphasize with that that's beautiful yeah I think it's the same for you you've traveled the whole world on your own independently made friends everywhere had amazing experiences taught in (laughs) Asia taught English which is not even your your native language yeah and then of course also like personal challenges and uh, you said it earlier now that overcoming those challenges is so important and i think because we're, we're all facing challenges like we we 
we can't avoid that. And when that happens, I think it's so important to face those challenges with awareness and not pushing challenges aside. Because like, if you're constantly pushing something aside, you're not going through it. Mm. And you'll have to deal with it at some point. You'll have to deal with it. You can't push anything aside. It'll always haunt you. So it's your choice, your choice towards awareness and towards dealing with something and towards overcoming something. And then by that, growing in yourself and growing in your strength and just developing your personality and yeah, just building everything up in your life. Definitely. I mean, this is another topic we can explore in great detail. (laughs) (laughs) Obviously. (laughs) I I think it's been a beautiful wrap up. Thank you very much for this. Like this has honestly been amazing. Like these past five minutes now is everything why I'm doing this because I feel it has so much power to share these thoughts and to share these experiences. So thank you so much for being with me and for trusting me with it and uh, for sharing it with me. I'm acknowledging that you've done amazing steps. I think you're amazingly brave to do everything you've done and you're amazingly facing the challenges that are ahead. So you can be very proud of yourself and I'm very glad we met in Australia. It's been such a ride. We've had so many fun moments together and I'm really glad that I know you. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you for having me on your podcast. I'm really grateful to be part of it. I listened to your first one and it was really exciting and (laughs) it's amazing that now I get to talk to you and, and share my story. And I just want to say also that you are a big strength in my life too, that I can see you as a fellow traveler and adventurer and everything you've done and overcome. It gives me the strength to do the same thing, to also take those kind of risks and experience things differently. So thank you as well. (laughs) That's very nice. Thank you. (laughs) So let's wrap this up here. Thank you so much for listening um, again and tuning in. I hope you liked this episode. If you did, leave it a like, leave it a comment. You can always share this on iTunes and on Google Play. Just quickly head to the episode, scroll down and just leave a comment there and a like. And if you want to see more, just head over to the website throughlisaseyes.com slash podcast. You'll see all the show notes there, a bit more information about Jade. And you can also check out Jade on Instagram. It's time to explore one. And I do also have a little blog, which is also called it's time to explore.com. I have some information about how I moved to Spain, about the visas, about the program that I've been working on for the last two years, and then some adventure stuff. So I like to write about how people can do adventures and Mm -hmm. hiking or rock climbing, skiing, and how to do it in an affordable way as well. So I've got lots of links and tips about how to travel affordably with a small budget. (laughs) Yeah, so you should definitely check that out. Head over to the website and check it out for detailed informations on trips um, all around Granada. It's a beautiful place to go, so you should definitely consider going to Granada for a trip. And thanks again, Jade, for this. It's been amazing. I had so much fun. And I hope you guys tune in to the next episode in a month then. And I'll talk to you then. Bye-bye.